May Allah be his helper said, I have previously delivered two sermons in relation to the understanding of the Holy Quran, which the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has imparted to us, or the way in which he presented this knowledge in his books and writings, so that one may understand it and act upon it. In reality, it is the treasures of knowledge revealed to us in the Holy Qur'an which connect man with God Almighty. Aside from this, there is no other way to reach God Almighty or to attain nearness to Him. The promised Messiah, peace be upon Him, states in one of his couplets, The Holy Qur'an leads to God. It is the Word of God. Without it, the garden of divine cognition remains incomplete. This is what one must always bear in mind. If we desire the nearness and pleasure of God Almighty, and if we wish to adorn our life in this world and the next, then we must always keep this in mind. The Holy Quran is no doubt the means for this, but one ought to bear in mind that in order to comprehend this knowledge, there is also the need for a guide, chosen and sent by Allah Almighty. And that person in this era is none other than the true servant of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. I have stated in two previous sermons the manner in which he delved deep and shed light upon various aspects of the Holy Qur'an and made us aware of its beauties. The series on the wealth of knowledge and understanding of the teachings of the Holy Qur'an presented by the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has not yet been completed. In fact, 
a lot of material is yet to be mentioned in this regard. Today, in continuation of this series, I shall shed light upon the guidance and writings of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in relation to the excellences and the status of the Holy Qur'an. The detail in which he brought to light the rank and importance of the Holy Qur'an is what will enable us to truly attain the nearness of God Almighty and grant us the understanding and comprehension to act upon the Qur'anic teachings. Hence, we must strive to listen to and understand these matters in order to attain the purpose of our lives. Whilst expounding upon the Holy Qur'an being the Word of God, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, wrote a letter to Lala Bhim Sain in which he said, Only a few days ago, a Brahman named Lekram, who is an Arya, visited me in Qadian and said, the Vedas are the Word of God. The Holy Qur'an is not the Word of God. I responded to him by saying, You claim that the Vedas are the Word of God, but I do not consider them in their current state to be the Word of God. As they contain teachings pertaining to idolatry, how can a teaching which proposes idolatry be the word of God? Aside from this, there are many impure teachings contained therein. But in any case, I consider the Holy Qur'an to be the word of God, as it neither contains any teachings pertaining to idolatry, nor can one find any impure teachings therein. Furthermore, by following it, the countenance of the living God becomes manifest and miracles can be witnessed. Thus, for something to be considered the word of God, it must be free from all forms of idolatry. And by acting upon it, one ought to be able to see the countenance of God Almighty, as it were. Regarding how the Holy Qur'an has made the countenance of God Almighty manifest, one can see this in the lives of the companions. Whilst mentioning the impact of the Qur'anic teachings on the lives of the companions, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, It is proven, after carefully analysing the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which was the initial stage of Islam, that the teachings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, certainly elevated those who believed in it from the lowest of stages which have been mentioned before, to the highest of stages. This is because the initial condition of many of the believers which they had brought with them was worse than wild savages and their lives were like beasts. They were entrenched in such bad behaviour and immorality that they were disqualified from the pale of humanity and had become so ignorant 
that they did not even know that they were wrongdoers, i.e. the faculty of differentiation between right and wrong was also eroding. Thus, the effect that the Quranic teachings and the company of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had on them was that they realized that they were devoid of the garment of purity and were enveloped in the filth of wrongdoing. Just as Allah the Almighty states regarding the initial condition that they are like cattle, nay, they are even more astray. Then, when they realized, due to the company of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the Holy Qur'an's alluring effect, that the manner in which they lived their lives was a bestial life and fundamentally tainted by wrongdoings. They then attained power through the Holy Spirit and moved towards doing good deeds, as Allah the Almighty testifies regarding them, that He has strengthened them with a pure spirit from himself. This was precisely the unseen power which is given to man after he believes and has some level of patience. Then, after acquiring this power, they did not only remain at the level of recognizing and being disgusted by the stench of their sins and weaknesses, rather, they began to take such steps towards goodness that they reached half of the epitome of virtue and the power to carry out good deeds in opposition to their weaknesses was born inside them. Not only did they rid themselves of weaknesses but they also excelled in their good deeds. And by doing this they attained an intermediate condition and then by being blessed with the power of the Holy Spirit these people endeavoured to conquer Satan with their pure deeds. Furthermore, in order to please God, they took on such endeavours that humanity cannot even consider any stage past it. In the way of Allah, they did not care for their lives, as if it was an insignificant thing to be sacrificed. In the end, they were accepted, and God completely rid their hearts of sin instead instilling a love of goodness therein. This is the effect that the Holy Qur'an had on them, whereby they raised themselves up from the ground and became the shining stars of the sky, regarding whom the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that each and every one of them is a guide for you. By following the Qur'an, a person becomes a manifestation of the attributes of God Almighty. Explaining this, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, whoever elevates their love and sincerity to the highest degree by becoming a follower of the Holy Quran, they proverbially become a manifestation of the attributes of God Almighty. Just following the Quran is not the only condition. Rather, taking such obedience to the highest degree of love and sincerity is also a condition. 
This means that when one acts upon its commandments, then they become a manifestation of Allah the Almighty's attributes. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, then states, This entire outcome is the result of the superb power and quality that we witnessed in the Word of God, the Holy Qur'an. This superb power and quality is not in any other book that is deemed by any nation to be revealed by God. Perhaps this is because they, i.e. the books, belong to ancient periods and have since been perverted and changed. Or perhaps this is due to the fact that though their wording has not been changed, the meanings of the words have been changed. Or perhaps the reason may be that in order to remove disharmony in this final age, and gather the people of the entire world upon one book, he has taken away the blessings of all the previous books. Otherwise, what is the reason that though mankind can join the community comprised of the friends of Allah by following the Holy Quran and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him? This quality is not found in these earlier books. This is why the followers of these earlier books deny the excellences which a person can attain at the stage of nearness to God. And they, i.e. the deniers, actually mock its marvels and miracles. Not only do they disbelieve in the miracles, but rather they also mock them. And this is the reason that they are now moving away from God Almighty and away from religion. Then the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, But we do not mock them. We do not mock anyone, albeit we surely cry upon witnessing their deprivation. We hold sympathy for them in our hearts, that by moving away from God, forgetting his attributes, and calling their immoral actions the supposed light of the new age, they are again committing bestial deeds and this is what we see today in materialistic people. Nevertheless, in connection to what he was saying, the Promised Messiah peace be upon him states, I am not here relating stories of the past, but only that of which I have personal knowledge. I have found superlative power in the Holy Qur'an and I have observed a wonderful quality that comes from complete devotion to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. No other religion possesses such power and such quality that can lead a sincere follower to the station of sainthood. God not only honours the true servant with his word, but also shows him through his actions that he is the God who has created the heaven and the earth. So much so, that his faith transcends the far-flung stars. I have personal experience in this regard. God talks to me and has shown more than a hundred thousand signs at my hands. Thus, though I honour all the prophets and their books, I believe that Islam alone is the living faith. For through it, God has manifested himself to me. Anyone who doubts this statement of mine should come over to investigate these things and stay with me for
for at least a period of two months. I shall be responsible for all his expenses during his stay. A religion worth the name must be a living religion which is able to exhibit God through living and fresh demonstrations of his powers. Otherwise, a mere claim on behalf of a religion is vain and without basis. Those who were to derive benefit from this invitation of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, indeed did so and thereby succeeded. They remained in the company of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, and accepted him. Even today, the proofs and arguments found in the writings of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, are making people into those who have a firm bond with God Almighty. Thus, through this, where we inform others about this, we should also strive to derive benefit from the writings of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Only then will we be able to fulfill the due rights of our Pledge of Allegiance. Whilst mentioning the qualities of the Holy Qur'an and four miraculous aspects of it, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The Holy Qur'an possesses four miraculous features, the details of which are as follows. Of the miraculous features of the Holy Qur'an, one is its eloquence and perspicuity, such that it's entirely distinct and unique from human eloquence and expression. Human eloquence and expression is severely limited, and until one's words are not purified of any exaggeration, falsehood and superfluity, one cannot achieve a high standard of eloquence and perspicuity. The word of Allah, the Almighty, is unadulterated and free from all such impurities. Secondly, another miraculous feature of the Holy Qur'an is that all the stories and accounts mentioned within it are in fact prophecies that have been alluded to throughout its text. This is also observed within the Holy Qur'an. Thirdly, another miraculous feature of the Holy Qur'an is that its teachings are fully equipped to perfect the human condition and it contains all the necessary proofs and signs for humanity to attain the rank of certainty. Fourthly, another significant feature of the Holy Qur'an is that it brings those who truly adhere to it so close to God that they partake in divine discourse, they begin to manifest clear signs and they achieve the purity of the self and unwavering faith. This feature of the Holy Qur'an in particular is worthy of remembrance that the heavenly grace bestowed to a perfect believer in the form of signs is an act of God. A believer cannot deem this to be a quality of his own. Inherent qualities of a perfect believer comprise of righteousness, purity, strong faith and steadfastness. For instance, if the light of the sun is cast on a wall, the light cannot be considered a feature of the wall because the light exists independently of the wall. The features of the wall are that it is grounded on a strong foundation and is firmly cemented to withstand the harshest of floods, winds and tempestuous rains without becoming unsteady. Thus, your faith should also exhibit these same characteristics.
our actions after understanding the Holy Quran as God Almighty's holy words, we should also exhibit these same characteristics that strengthen our faith and enable us to come face to face with God. No gust, storm or opposition should cause one's faith to falter. These are the features of humankind, which are constantly illuminated by the light that is the words of God Almighty. Such a person continuously endeavours to understand God's word. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states that the Holy Quran is such a book the adherence to which results in the acceptance of prayers. Whilst further elaborating, he states, the miraculous potency of the Holy Quran is that one who truly adheres to it attains acceptance. And upon accepting their prayers, God Almighty informs them through captivating and awe-inspiring discourse. Furthermore, he grants them exceptional help against their enemies. And as a means of support, he reveals extraordinary matters of the unseen to them. Whilst explaining that the Holy Quran contains all guidance, the Promise of Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The people of the book in this country are just as guilty as the polytheists of Arabia. Christians lay great emphasis on the matter of atonement and after putting their faith in it, have considered that all sins are now lawful for them. Jews claim that even after committing sin, they will only reside in hell for no more than a few days. As Allah the Almighty states, This audacity and boldness is because they say the reason for their boldness in committing their actions stems from them saying the following, which is the verse which I have just presented, that even if the fire does touch them, it will only be for a limited number of days. Thus, they take pride in the lies that they forge, in which these thoughts are rooted. Thus, when the people of the book and the disbelievers of Arabia were steeped in immorality, considering their evil deeds to be virtuous and would not desist from their crimes, thereby disturbing the peace of society, God Almighty sent His Prophet with complete rain in hand so that He may save the poor. Since Arabia was unbridled and they were not under the rule of any ruler, every tribe lived with complete autonomy and boldness. Since there were no laws of punishment, they progressed in their crimes by the day. Then, God had mercy on this nation and sent the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him to them. And not just as a messenger, but also as the ruler of the nation. The Holy Quran was made a complete law which provides guidance encompassing matters pertaining to human, criminal and financial laws. Hence, as the ruler, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him became the judge for all factions and people from all different faiths would come to him to settle their disputes.
It is recorded in the Holy Quran that once a case between a Muslim and a Jew was brought before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. After an investigation, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, determined that the Jewish man was truthful and awarded him the decision based on his claims against the Muslim. Alas, some foolish opponents who do not read the Holy Quran carefully think every matter to be under the messengership of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, whereas certain punishments were determined in his role as the ruler. Then, with the regards to adopting a life of purity through the Holy Quran, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, It is an obvious fact that the great merit of anything lies in its fulfilling the purpose for which it has been made. For instance, if a bullock is purchased for ploughing land, its merit will be judged by the degree to which it is able to discharge its function of ploughing. A bullock is bought to plough a field, and so it will only be used for that purpose. The bullock that ploughs the field in an excellent manner will be considered beneficial. In the same way, it is obvious that the true purpose of a heavenly book is that it should rescue its followers from every sin and the sinful life through which its teachings and influence and its power of reform and spiritual qualities and should bestow a pure life upon them and after purifying them should bestow upon them full insight for the recognition of God and should establish a relationship of love and devotion between them and the peerless being who is the fountainhead of all joys. In truth, this love is the root of salvation and this is the paradise on entering which all fatigue, bitterness, pain and torment are removed. Without doubt, the living and perfect revealed book is the one which should lead a seeker after God to his goal and rescuing him from a low life should lead him to the true beloved, meeting whom is salvation itself. It should rescue him from all doubts and bestow such perfect understanding upon him as if he can see God. It should establish such a strong relationship between God and him that he should become a faithful servant of God and God should be so benevolent towards him that he should distinguish between him and those beside him with diverse types of his help and support and should open the gates of his understanding to him. If a book fails to discharge this duty, which is its real purpose and seeks to establish its merit by making other irrelevant claims, it would be like a person who claims to be an expert physician but when a patient is brought to him and he is asked to heal him, he replies that he is unable to heal him, but that he knows how to wrestle, or that he is an expert in astronomy or philosophy. It is obvious that such a person would be called a jester and would deserve the condemnation of all reasonable people. The chief purpose of a book of God and a messenger of God is to rescue the world from a life of sin and to establish a holy relationship between God and the world. It is not their purpose to teach people subjects of secular study 
and to instruct them in worldly inventions. It is not difficult for a reasonable and just person to understand that the purpose of a book of God is to lead people to God and to make them believe in Him as a certainty and to stop them from committing sin by impressing the majesty and awe of God upon their hearts. Of course, what use is a book which cannot cleanse a heart nor can bestow such pure and perfect understanding as should make one hate sin? The attraction of sin is a dangerous leprosy which cannot be healed till the manifestations of the living understanding of God and the signs of His awe, greatness and power descend like rain and till a person perceives God with His awe-inspiring powers as a goat perceives a lion which is only two steps away from it. Man needs to be freed from the fatal passion of sin. The greatness of God should so occupy his heart that it should rid him of the overpowering desire of passion which falls upon him like lightning and instantly consumes his store of righteousness. Can such impure passions as attack repeatedly like epilepsy and destroy all sense of piety be wiped out by any self-conceived concept of God? Or can they be suppressed by one's own thinking or be blocked by an atonement whose suffering has not been personally experienced? Certainly not. This is not a matter of indifference, but in the estimation of a wise person, it is worthy of consideration above all else as to how he might safeguard himself against the ruin which confronts him on account of his daring and his lack of relationship with God, the root of which is sin and disobedience. It is obvious that a person cannot give up a certain pleasure for the sake of a conjecture. Indeed, there are certain pleasures that one experiences in this world. One cannot simply assume that they will receive these pleasures in the hereafter, based on mere conjecture alone. The Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, states, it is only a certainty that can rescue one from another certainty. For instance, if we are certain that there are a number of deer in a forest, which we can easily catch, we are incited by that certainty to enter the forest for that person. But if we are also certain that there are 50 lions in the forest and thousands of bloodthirsty pythons, we would be dissuaded from making the attempt. Thus, sin cannot be avoided without this degree of certainty. The way to abandon sin is that one must have firm conviction that though they will partake in temporary pleasure by committing a particular sin, committing that sin would be akin to entering into a jungle in order to hunt, where there are lions and pythons and the fear of that prevents one from hunting. In the same way, one can abstain from sin if they instill within themselves the conviction that God's wrath is very severe and that if we sin, we will be seized by His wrath. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, says, 
It is only iron that can break iron. There should be that certainty of the greatness and awe of God which should tear up the curtains of heedlessness and should make the body tremble and should make death appear near. The heart should be so overcome by fear that all relationship with the sinful ego should be cut asunder and one should be drawn by hidden hands towards God and the heart should be filled with the certainty that God who is truly present does not leave a daring offender without punishment. What shall a seeker after true purity do with a book which does not fill this need? Thus, I wish to convey it to everyone that the Holy Qur'an is the book which fulfills all these needs. Through it, a person is drawn to God and his heart grows cold to the love of the world. For those who follow it, God who is hidden beyond the hidden, in the end manifests himself and displays those powers of which outsiders have no notion and he himself informs the one who follows him of his existence. One ought to remember these words of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, that God Almighty reveals himself to the one who adheres to the Holy Quran and shows him his divine kingdom and gives proof of his existence by the proclamation, I am present. Hence, this is the knowledge and understanding of the Holy Quran which one should possess. This is the practical aspect of the teachings which we should exhibit. Otherwise, our claim of faith will be nothing more than a claim like that of other faiths. Here, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has stated that unlike other books, this book, i.e. the Holy Qur'an, reforms people because the teachings of other books are incomplete and so they cannot. If we believe in the Holy Qur'an, yet we do not become reformed, then we are the ones to blame. Because as the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, stated, we must become true followers of the Holy Qur'an. If we do not truly follow it, then how can we become reformed? If we do not act upon it, then how can we become reformed? Thus we must strive to become those who are true followers. May Allah the Almighty enable us to do so. Then the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Our observation and experience, along with that of those before us, bear testament that through its spiritual distinction and its intrinsic light, the Holy Quran draws its followers unto itself and enlightens their hearts. Then by showing grand signs, God grants them such a strong connection that cannot be broken, even by a sword, which seeks to cut it to pieces. It unlocks the heart's perception and brings the filthy stream of sin to a halt and grants the delight of converse with God. He grants knowledge of the unseen and informs about the acceptance of prayer in his own words. When one challenges a true follower of the Holy Quran, God makes apparent to him through astounding signs that he is with those who follow his word. Therefore, being a true follower is a fundamental requirement. Then, whilst mentioning that the Holy Quran is a means of being saved from shirk, that is, associating partners with God, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The seed of the unity of God, which the Holy Quran has sown in Arabia, Persia, 
Egypt, Syria, India, China, Afghanistan, Kashmir and other regions and the manner in which it has rooted out from most places idol worship and the worship of creatures is a matter which is not matched in any age. When Islam spread in the beginning and idolatry was vanquished from those areas, it was achieved by acting on these teachings of the Holy Qur'an. It was for this reason that our ancestors accepted Islam. However, if we do not act on its teachings, then we are returning back to the very same ignorance. The teachings of the Holy Qur'an are most excellent. With regards to this, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The book that would have been revealed at the beginning of creation could not, according to reason, be a perfect book. Reason cannot accept that the books revealed in the beginning were perfect. Rather, it would have been like a teacher who teaches children the alphabet. It is obvious that for such elementary instruction, no great ability is needed. If a teacher only teaches at primary level, such as the alphabet, etc., one does not need great abilities to teach such elementary education. When human experience increased and man fell into many errors, detailed instruction became necessary, especially when the darkness of error became widespread and human souls became involved in diverse types of intellectual and practical misguidance. At that time, a superior and perfect teaching was needed, and that came in the Holy Qur'an. In the beginning, instruction of a high grade was not needed, for human souls were simple, and no darkness or misguidance had settled on them. Superior teaching was needed in the book, which appeared at the time of extreme misguidance, and came for the reform of the people, whose false doctrines had become confirmed and whose evil conduct had become a habit. The Qur'anic teachings were revealed at a time when the human mind had become mature and attained a level of understanding. Furthermore, sin had reached its peak, wherein mankind was deeply engrossed in sinful behaviour. It was at such a time where a teaching was revealed in accordance to a human intellect. With regards to the Qur'an being a book sent for the whole of mankind, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, says that one ought to remember that indeed it is true that in the beginning of creation, mankind was given one revealed scripture. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, If it is asked why was only one revealed book given to mankind in the beginning, and why was not each people given a separate book, the answer is that in the beginning, mankind's number was small, and they did not amount even to a people, and one book was sufficient for them. When mankind spread over the earth, and the dwellers of each region of the earth became a people, and on account of long distances one people ceased to be in touch with another, divine wisdom demanded that at such a time there should be separate messengers 
and revealed books for different peoples. And so it came about. When mankind increased more in numbers and communications were established and means of communication became available and it became known that different parts of the earth were inhabited by man and God Almighty determined that they should all be made one people and should be gathered together after their dispersal. God sent one book for all regions. In this book, it was commanded that as it reached different parts of the world, it should be accepted and believed in. That book is the Holy Qur'an, which has been revealed to establish a relationship between different regions. The books that were revealed before the Qur'an were confined to one people each. Books and messengers appeared among the Syrians, Persians, Indians, Chinese, Egyptians and Romans, and they were all confined to one people and were not concerned with the others. Last of all came the Holy Qur'an, which is a universal book and is not for any one people, but for all peoples. It came for a people who were henceforth to become one. Now means have become available which are bestowing a unity upon different peoples. Mutual interaction, which is at the root of converting mankind into one people, has become so easy that a journey that used to take years can now be accomplished within a few days. And such facilities have become available for communication that news that took a year to travel from one far country to another can now be transmitted within an hour. So great a revolution is in progress and the river of culture is flowing in such a manner that it appears obvious that God Almighty has determined that all the peoples who are scattered in the earth should be made into one people and that those who had been separated over thousands of years might now come together. This is mentioned in the Holy Qur'an and the Holy Qur'an alone claims that it has come for all the peoples of the world. As it is said, Ya ayyuhan nasu, inni rasulullahi ilaykum jami'ah Proclaim to the people, I am Allah's messenger to you all. Again it is said, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ I have sent thee as a mercy for all the peoples. And it is said, لِيَكُونَ لِلْعَالَمِينَ نَذِيرًا We have sent thee so that thou shouldst be a warner for all peoples. And I declare with all the emphasis at my command that no revealed book made this claim before the Holy Qur'an. Each can find its message to its own people. Even the Prophet, who was deified by the Christians, affirmed, I have not been sent but to the lost sheep of Israel. This statement of Jesus, peace be upon him, has been recorded in the Bible. The conditions of the world also bear testimony that the claim of the Holy Qur'an of a universal message was timely 
For at the time of the advent of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the door of general propagation of the truth had been opened. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has stated that the Holy Qur'an has four causes. He states, everything has four causes. They are, number one, the efficient cause. i.e. who is the one who causes it. Number two, the formal cause. That is the apparent and practical reasons of its cause. And number three, the material cause. What is the physical benefit of it? Number four, the final cause. The real and fundamental reason for its existence. The Holy Qur'an has mentioned these four causes. Thus, Alif La Mim refers to the perfection of the efficient cause. It, Alif La Mim means An Allahu A'lamu, i.e. I am God the All-Knowing. That is, Allah the Almighty knows the purpose of man's creation. The perfection of the material cause is indicated to by the verse Dhalikal Kitabu which means that this book has been sent down by God Almighty who is all-knowing. By acting on this book, one can attain many benefits. The perfection of the formal cause of the Holy Qur'an is indicated to by the verse La Raybafih, meaning that this book is free from every error, doubt and confusion, i.e. the teachings are so beautiful that no other teaching can match it. Whatever has been mentioned is authentic, and whatever claims lie therein have been furnished with proofs and absolute clarity. The perfection of its final cause is indicated to in the verse Hudallil Muttaqeen, meaning that the reason for this book to be revealed is that it guides the righteous, and this indeed ought to be the objective of a religious scripture. Whilst presenting the translation of the first, second, and third verses of Surah Al Baqarah, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Righteousness is such a highly significant and necessary quality that Allah the Exalted has deemed it to be the ultimate cause behind the revelation of the Holy Qur'an. As such, at the start of the second chapter, Allah the Exalted states, Alif la mim dhalik al-kitabu la muttaqin that is, Alif la Mim, I am Allah the All-Knowing. This is a perfect book. There is no doubt in it. It is a guidance for the righteous. My belief is that this sequence of the Holy Qur'an is extraordinary to say the least. In these verses, Allah the Exalted has alluded to the four causes, the efficient cause, the material cause, the formal cause, and the ultimate cause. All things are characterized by these four causes. The Holy Qur'an manifests these causes in a most perfect manner. Firstly, Allah the Exalted states, Alif la Mim. This indicates that Allah the Exalted, who is the All-Knowing, has revealed this word upon Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. I, God, is the agent in this context. Then there are the words, Dhalik al-Kitabu. This is a perfect book. This describes the matter in this case, or one could say, alludes to the material cause of the Holy Qur'an. I, by adhering to the book that we have in the physical form, one can attain the objective. Moving onwards, there are the words, La Raybafi, 
there is no doubt in it. These words allude to the formal cause of the Holy Qur'an and indicate that all things are susceptible to doubt, suspicion and corrupt thoughts. But the Holy Qur'an is a book that is free from all forms of doubt. The words La Reba indicate that the Holy Qur'an is free from all doubts. Now when Allah the Exalted has described the greatness of this book with the words La Reba fi, naturally the soul of any good-natured and blessed individual would be thrilled and would desire to act upon the instructions of the Holy Qur'an. I must say with regret that the manifestly clear and radiant grandeur of the Holy Qur'an is not presented before the world, for the Holy Qur'an possesses such qualities and excellences, such beauty within itself, and such attraction and allure that hearts are drawn to it helplessly. For example, if someone were to praise a beautiful garden, if they were to speak of its fragrant trees, its refreshing and revitalizing plants and pathways, and its streams and rivers flowing with pure water, anyone would desire to visit and walk through that garden and enjoy its beauty. Moreover, if it was said that some of the flowing streams in the garden cure chronic and deadly ailments, people would flock there with even more fervour and desire. In the same manner, if the qualities and excellences of the Holy Qur'an are described in the exceedingly beautiful manner that behoves it and in effective words, the soul races towards it with extreme ardour. In reality, the means by which the soul is satisfied, satiated and the manner in which the need of the soul is truly fulfilled are contained within the Holy Qur'an. This is why Allah the Exalted has stated, Huda lil muttaqeen, it is a guidance for the righteous. At another instance, God Almighty states, La yamassuhu illa al-mutahharun. None shall touch it except those who are purified. The word mutahharun refers to the very same muttaqeen referred to in the verse, Huda lil muttaqeen. It is a guidance for the righteous. From this, it is clearly evident that righteousness is a necessary condition to attain knowledge and understanding of the Holy Quran. However, the so-called scholars of today who are bereft of righteousness have presented the teachings of the Holy Qur'an in such a manner whereby the opponents of Islam are given further opportunities to level allegations against the Holy Qur'an. However, today, it is the duty of Ahmadi Muslims to instill righteousness within ourselves and practically demonstrate its beautiful teachings through both word and action. Let the world know that it is only the Holy Qur'an which is a cure for all types of ailments. Allah the Almighty has sent this Qur'an with the objective of bringing about the reformation of the world. May Allah the Almighty enable us to adhere to its teachings whilst inculcating righteousness within us. These are very deep subject matters which one needs to listen to very attentively and also adhere to them with the utmost diligence. We ought to ponder greatly whilst reciting the Holy Qur'an. I would also like to make a request for prayers. The Jalsa Salana is currently taking place in Bangladesh and today was the first day. However, the opponents attacked the Jalsa Gah and many people have been injured as well. I believe they attacked from outside with such intensity that some of the members have been severely injured. Also, according to the report received, they are also setting fire to the houses of some of the Ahmadis who live nearby. The actual extent of the damage they have caused remains to be determined. 
May Allah the Almighty protect the Ahmadis from the evil ploys of the enemy and punish them. One can no longer pray for their guidance now. One can no longer pray for their guidance now. Rather, the only prayer that comes from the heart is Allahumma mazzikum kullamu mazzukin wa sahikum tashika. O Allah, annihilate the enemy and crush them to pieces. Similarly, pray for the Ahmadis in Pakistan that Allah the Almighty keep the conditions safe for them. The situation in Burkina Faso is also very fragile and pray for them as well. Also, there are certain lawsuits filed against the Ahmadis in Algeria, so pray for them as well. May Allah the Almighty keep all the Ahmadis under his protection. As I mentioned that in Bangladesh, the official administration of the country had told them that they should not be worried and to carry out their jalsa, and they will arrange for the security. However, when the extremist mullahs came along with the groups of people, the police stood there, simply watching on and did nothing. In any case, we ought to prostrate before Allah the Almighty and supplicate to Him. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah,